Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Astrology Now podcast. My name is Christine Rodriguez, and in this segment, we are going to be discussing the upcoming full moon on October 9th, 2022. Before we get started, I always like to remind you that I study the Vedic sidereal system of astrology, which is different than the Western tropical system. So if you'd like to learn more about the differences between Western and Vedic astrology, you can go to my website, innerknowing.yoga, click on media, and then astrology. Now you will be able to learn about the differences there. And as many of you know, I was traveling for the past few days. I just got home, picked up my cat Evie, who a lot of you probably remember. She um, used to meow into the microphone while I was recording. That habit has slowed down a little bit, but she's still here. She still talks often. And I'm kind of in the midst of figuring out how to make my life more mobile. And I've mentioned this to you all before, but I'm kind of taking steps to make the process happen. The intention is to be gone about 50% of the time traveling. It's something that I've always wanted to do and the opportunities are kind of presenting themselves. And so this is a really exciting period of time for me. It definitely feels like I'm about to move through a portal of eclipse season. Um, I'm wondering what's coming up for you all as well, of course. And speaking of which, so we have this full moon coming up on October 9th, but I want everyone to be aware that we're really moving into eclipse season. And so eclipses are eclipses because they involve the karmic nodes of Rahu and Ketu. Eclipses would not be eclipses without the nodes of Rahu and Ketu. So eclipses are inherently karmic. They bring karmic matters to the surface for us on an individual level, also on a global level. And so some of us are having, you know, various things in life kind of bubbling up or coming to the surface. Decisions are needing to be made. Changes are needing to happen. And for some of us, it may be this really exciting, light, fun experience. And for some of us, it may feel a little bit more difficult and heavy. Um, there, maybe there are people out there who are feeling kind of neutral. And if that's you, then, you know, keep doing what you're doing. But usually the eclipses bring up the extremes. The karmic nodes of Rahu and Ketu like things to be extreme. So usually there's something that's kind of coming up. And I want to say, you know, where the karmic nodes are now with Rahu being in Aries and Ketu being in Libra, as I've been discussing since the beginning of the year, this is all about the individual and then the other. So this placement, this transit of Rahu and Ketu is impacting how we view ourselves, but also how we're managing interpersonal relationship. Again, this could be you and your friends, you and your family, and um, intimate relationships, business partners, but we're also seeing this globally when it comes to alliances or foreign affairs, you know, global relations. Relationships impact everyone. By virtue of being a human being, we have to deal with one another. We have to come into contact with one another. So when the nodes move through these signs, it kicks stuff up between us, you know, personally. And this is, this is a big transit. And I think that we're seeing it in the world. 
you know, when we're watching the news, we're seeing things shift, we're seeing things change. And as we move towards the eclipse, because we can feel eclipse season before the actual event. It's not like the eclipse is on a day and it's just that isolated 24 hours. The eclipse season is called a season because we feel it for weeks and we can feel the karma culminating. Again, personally, globally. This eclipse coming up at the end of the month is in the nakshatra of Swati, which we've talked about before is this very intense, independent, freedom-driven nakshatra. There's going to be a lot coming up between people wanting freedom, wanting rebellion, and also leaders trying to kind of cling to power or administer power. And we could see global relations shift. We could see relationships shift, right? Like, oh my gosh, what's his name? Tom Brady... And his wife, like we're seeing all these like breakups happen too, where relationship issues happen. So just keep your eyes peeled and try to uh, notice these things. It's certainly an interesting thing to observe, not necessarily the most interesting thing to experience. (laughs) So, you know, some of us may actually be experiencing things like this. If you're not just kind of observing, letting it be a learning experience for this, this transit. So that's a little bit about the eclipse and kind of what to expect because we knew that October was going to be intense as it introduced, as it introduces the beginning of eclipse season. So we're we're all going to be kind of moving towards these portals of change. As I mentioned earlier, we can maybe feel things boiling up in our life. There may be pressure being applied. There may be choices that we need to be making as we move through these eclipses things are going to come to light, things are going to be illuminated. If you are running a Rahu Dasha or a Ketu Dasha, of course, this is going to impact you the most. And depending on where the eclipse is in your chart, it's going to be influencing that area of your life. And so I'll likely go over those on the public podcast, but just in case, on my Patreon account, patreon.com slash astrologynowpodcast. Every time we have a transit, I talk about how it's going to influence each of the 12 signs. So if you're interested in how this eclipse will affect you, how this full moon will affect you, I publish a podcast weekly on Patreon going over all of those transits. So definitely have it on your radar as we move closer. And also remember that the eclipses are going to impact us all differently. And it doesn't necessarily need to be bad. I had somebody ask me recently, like, hey, can you like help me alleviate some of this anxiety? I totally get that. But it's really important to remember that big transits or intense transits don't always, you know, carry negative results. It's usually karmic. It will usually align us with something karmically or give us some sort of karmic wake up call. Past, future right? Because Rahu is the future, K2 is the past. So it can usually bring something from the past or it can kind of nudge us towards our future. Um, but it doesn't always have to be bad. So please don't have that um, assumption. So this full moon that we have on October 9th, 2022, it is actually a very beautiful and altruistic full moon. And so I really was excited to talk about this. And so the moon, the full moon is going to be in the sign of Pisces. And Pisces, 
is one of my favorite signs. It's the final sign of the zodiac. So it has this association to moksha, liberation, endings, and beginnings. It's one of the most spiritual, if not the most spiritual, of the signs. And it kind of has this connection to the other side. You know, in the realm of Pisces, the veil is always very thin. And you can kind of feel that when you talk to like really Piscean people. They tend to be quite far out. And when they're in balance, you know, they can be these like amazing mystical healers. And when they're out of balance, they can be a little far out, (laughs) a little ungrounded, but always mystical, always mystical and interesting. And so this full moon specifically is going to be in the nakshatra of Ravity. And so Ravity is not only in the final sign, but it's also the final nakshatra. And so remember in Vedic astrology, we have 27 nakshatras, and these are created by dividing the 12 signs into even smaller portions, okay? And so Ravity is the final nakshatra, which really creates this connection to endings and beginnings, moksha, that really deep connection to spirituality. Ravati's deity is Pushan, and so there is this connection to traveling and protecting travelers, which is interesting timing for me, um, and it's also associated, associated to friends, companions, kindness, support, compassion. This full moon is a beautiful full moon to offer and extend a hand of help rather it be to people or to animals, someone or something in need. If you have some cash that you can offer someone or some time for charity, uh, wealth to charity, if there's an animal you know that needs support or needs help, this is just a time to be extra gentle. And this full moon is also with Jupiter. You know, So this full moon is being aspected by Venus, Mercury, the sun, Jupiter, and of course Saturn as well, but it has all these like beautiful supportive aspects to it. And so it's a wonderful time to offer and extend that hand of generosity, but then also receive and open. So if somebody gives you a compliment, like just take the compliment. If someone is trying to offer financial assistance, you know, if if one of your family members or, you know, if someone offers you financial assistance or offers you dinner or wants to give you something I know for me sometimes it's it's really difficult for me to receive things sometimes and so this is that full moon where all of us who kind of have that difficulty it's the opportunity to just allow ourselves to receive definitely a good time for travel if that's something that you are wanting to do it's also a really positive time to let go of resentment You know, the full moon in general is a time of releasing and letting go. And so if you have resentment, if you have anger or frustration built up towards someone, it doesn't necessarily mean that you need to cross over your boundaries or that you need to totally welcome somebody back into your life who you know is not supportive for you, right? But it's a good time to release the burden of the heart. And so if it's possible for you, maybe setting that active intention to release, to let go of something that's only weighing you down, that's only heavy for you in inside of yourself. This is also a very, very creative time. Um, it's, a, it's an amazingly auspicious time for creativity and writing and um, expression of all kinds. And the most exciting part about this full moon, I think that I covered everything that I wanted to cover. Um, I suppose before I get into this second portion of the full moon, I'll say that 
as the moon moves between the water sign of Pisces and into the fire sign of Aries, remember it crosses over that Gandanta degree zone. So whenever we have a full moon in a water sign, we know it's going to cross over into this Gandanta degree as it moves towards a fire sign. Gandanta is associated to a knot. And as a planet moves over that knot, it can, you know, have this potential to unravel and have karma kind of move through it, move out of it, unravel out of it. And so as the moon moves through Aries after the full moon, it's almost like this this energy to help us transform our intentions or really release, transmute, you know, alchemize whatever it is that we really are ready to release and let go of. The full moon is always a time of releasing and letting go, but I think that they're especially potent in the water signs for this reason. It's almost as if it's going to get burnt you know, as it moves through the fire. So if there is anything that you're wanting to release and let go of, if there's anything that's heavy on the heart, if you're needing to forgive or forget or, you know, transmute, alchemize any of these hard feelings, it could be a really powerful exercise to maybe write it out, give it name, let it be heard and validated from you, and then give it permission to kind of be on its way out. So... On October 9th, 2022, this isn't just a full moon, but it's also Sharad Purnima. And this is a very special day in India. And this is when we can really pay homage to the goddess Lakshmi. And so Lakshmi is the consort of Lord Vishnu. And she is the goddess of wealth and prosperity and abundance. I would say that's vastly what she is known for. And Sharad Purnima is a time where it's said that it's almost like the door to Lakshmi herself is open. And so this is a time, again, to receive abundance, to receive nourishment and prosperity. So it actually is advised to go outside under this full moon and actually spend time. The light of the moon is said to provide auspicious quality to help rid us of anything that is ailing us, to help offer nourishment, to offer support, again, maybe even offer financial prosperity or abundance of any kind. And so if any of you are familiar with the practice of charging crystals, this is a very auspicious full moon. This is an auspicious full moon to charge anything. So if you're wanting to like put out a glass of water and let it charge under the moonlight and then drink it, or put water in a bowl and fill it with your crystals, or if you're wanting to make prasad, if you're wanting to offer um, maybe like a rice pudding or something really milky and sweet to Lakshmi, wearing clothes that are cream colored, maybe even buying cream colored flowers or roses, definitely taking time to offer Lakshmi something if you have a Lakshmi at home. Maybe bathing her in perfume, again, if you have an image or if you have um, a Lakshmi around. <laughs> and this is also, Sharad Purnima, is also when the gopis sneak out to meet Lord Krishna and to have that all-night ecstatic dance together. So this is all around a beautiful, auspicious, fun full moon. Definitely a time to get together with friends and offer appreciation. You know, it's a time of receiving abundance and receiving nourishment, but it's also a time of finding gratitude and appreciation for what makes your life rich 
you know, what fills it up? And for me, I mean, I could go on all day, but like my dog and my cat, first of all, just, I feel so rich when I'm with them. Uh, my friend Anna, it, you know, I feel super wealthy being with my friend Anna. I feel so wealthy being outside in the grass with my shoes off, you know, being in sunlight. There are so many things in my daily life that just leave me feeling so like abundant and, and, ready to receive more of the magic from the universe and so really take some time this may be another practice is making a gratitude list what leaves you feeling that nourishment and extending that texting a friend texting a family member texting someone you love and just letting them know it's amazing how that can fill our life you know if that's something that you haven't tried before it's amazing how if we're wanting love and we give it it kind of fuels us if we're wanting generosity and we offer charity it kind of fills us up it's like when we want something and we create it with our own action, we can satiate that part of ourselves a lot of the time. So I do hope that you have some really good ideas about that. Definitely charge the crystals. Definitely research Lakshmi. If you're not familiar with who Lakshmi is, definitely research Lakshmi. Definitely research Krishna and the gopis. There are so many beautiful images. If you type in Sharad Purnima uh, Krishna, or Krishna and gopis, there are so many beautiful depictions of this. And of course, there are so many beautiful depictions of Lakshmi. <laughs> She's stunning. So anyway, so kind of wrapping up with this, you know, sweet, altruistic full moon, hands are open to receive and then also extending your hands to offer as well. So what else is happening in the night sky? So as we've been talking about, Rahu's in Aries, K2 is in Libra, Mars rules Aries, Venus rules Libra. Wherever Mars and Venus are, this is a point of intensity. As we move through October, Mars is going to go retrograde. And I had this question recently about outer planets retrograding, like uh, Pluto, Neptune, and Uranus. It's important. And when we have planets that retrograde less often, we usually feel the impact a lot more. So for Pluto, Uranus, and Neptune, they're always retrograding. Mars retrogrades very seldomly. So when Mars does go retrograde, we tend to feel it quite a bit. Mars is also the planet of war and frustration and anger and aggression. When it goes retrograde, the intelligence of those things becomes warped, okay? So we need to be very mindful about how we handle anger, how we handle conflict, how we handle aggression. And in the world around us, we're going to see this coming up, okay? How people are handling war, how people are handling aggression, it's going to lose a lot of its intelligence. People are going to be doing impulsive things, maybe even unwise things. And I do think that we could have some sort of aggressive, violent event happen. So I do want you guys to be mindful of that. And as Mars is retrograding here, you know, Venus is going to move closer to K2 and Venus is the planet of diplomacy. So we can certainly expect some karmic matters around diplomacy, foreign affairs, connections, relationships between world leaders even. Definitely, this is something we will want to keep an eye on. And, you know, the sun will be debilitated as well. The sun is our world leaders. When the sun is debilitated, also, it kind of rule, it, um, it loses that ability in leadership. So 
definitely will stay up to date with these podcasts, but I want you all to have that on the radar as we move through October. As we talked about last month in September, I was saying as we move to October, things are going to start getting really intense as we move into eclipse season. So we are moving into eclipse season now and we should be mindful. So as I've been doing, I asked some questions on Instagram or I didn't ask questions. I invited individuals to ask questions. And so I'm going to take some time to read some. Someone asks, what's the best way for us to center ourselves if we cannot go on a nature trip at the moment? So that's a really great question. And for me, I really thrive and crave nature all the time. And when taking a trip is not accessible, I try to find patches of greenery. And so I'm lucky to live in Austin because we have the green belt and there are usually swimming holes. And that will give me a little, you know, reboot. And so if you have any nature near you to take a walk, to get outside, that could help taking your shoes off, getting in sunlight. I think getting in water, it's like emerging ourselves in the elements, whatever is available to us. It doesn't have to be a massive nature trip, but it's that connection. And I think that we as humans, we kind of separate from this idea that we are a part of nature, but we really are. Humans are not disconnected from nature. We are very much interwoven with and integrated with natural cycles and natural life. And so when we take that time to immerse ourselves in the natural elements, I think that that can be really helpful. I think that doing puja is also incredibly helpful, um, meditation and things of that nature. But I do hope that that's helpful. If you live in a city, like just finding some type of park and, and trying to immerse yourself as much as you can. That one is too long to go into. Why not look at the sun when doing horoscopes and transits? So I actually had a teacher that would do transits from the sun for Westerners. So he was a Vedic astrologer, but because people did not often know their rising sign or their moon sign, he would tell them their Vedic sun signs and then do transits from the sun. So I've seen it happen before. However, traditionally, it's not what we're doing because one... We're trying to get as specific as possible. And the sun is such a broad scale of time, right? If you're born with your sun in Aries, it's an entire month. So not everyone born under that month is going to be experiencing the same thing. When you're born with a moon sign, it's just two and a half days. When you're born with your rising sign, it's just a few hours. So we're trying to get that very specific amount of time. And the rising sign sets up your entire path of life. Okay, very significant. We're going to look at transits from the ascendant because that is your path of life. The moon is how your mind operates. It's how you feel about things emotionally. So the moon and the ascendant are profoundly the most important planets that you want to look at for transit. So I do hope that's helpful. Again, we can't generalize and say that everyone born in one month is going to have the same things happen to them in transit. That's, you know, it, it's not going to work. But if we do the moon sign, it almost always works. If we do the ascendant, definitely always works. So please do, um, please do take note of that. And I do hope that that was helpful. Somebody asks, better to guesstimate reading or skip a chart without a date, but no birth time? Wait a second. 
this doesn't, this sounds like a Mercury retrograde moment. Better to guesstimate reading or skip a chart without a date, but no birth time. I think they're saying with a date, but no birth time. I look at charts with a date and no birth time all the time. When I'm doing readings, if someone doesn't have their birth time, I read from the moon chart and I just let them know in advance that the reading is not going to be completely accurate because... You can only do so much with a moon chart. But if someone really wants a reading and they don't have a birth time, I'll usually read their moon chart because that's what I was taught to do. Um, and I look at placements all the time. My sweet friend Amy asks, what determines the first planetary phase of your Mahadasha? Hope that question makes sense. I hope that my answer is what you are thinking. So first of all, our lunar nakshatra is what sets up our dasha sequence. So if you were born with your moon in Ashwini, you were born in Ketu dasha because Ashwini is ruled by Ketu. If you were born with your moon in Swati, you started life in your Rahu dasha because Swati is ruled by Rahu. And so the first planetary phase, it, that would be like the secondary dasha, the Bukti sub-dasha. It's always going to be the same planet first and the sequence is always the same so the dashas are always going to run in the same pattern it's going to be k2 venus sun moon mars rahu jupiter saturn mercury every time and so if you enter that k2 dasha it will be k2 k2 then k2 venus then k2 sun then k2 moon so the buktis will stay in that pattern so i hope I hope that that answer made sense. I know I kind of flew through it, but I know Amy personally. So if you didn't get it, Amy, I'm happy to talk about it more with you in person. So I hope that this was helpful. I hope that you all have some amazing ideas for the full moon and how to spend it. I hope that you can kind of prepare yourself for the rockiness of eclipse season and also the excitement of eclipse season because we get to move through significant change. You know, we get to kind of step into a new part of ourselves. We get to step into a new part of the world too, depending on what's happening. And I do think that this eclipse season is going to be very, very transformational. So definitely um, kind of kind of be prepared and maybe set some intentions on how you would like to handle it. In the October horoscope, I was saying, I was like, there's a lot of motion happening and it's learning how to maintain fortitude, how to maintain inner strength and equanimity despite the ups and the downs. So if for anything else, the eclipse season is an opportunity for the highs to come, for the lows to come, and to try to stay in the balance knowing that when good things happen, it will last for an amount of time. When bad things happen, it will last for an amount of time. We are in this constant kind of flow of up and down. And the trick in life is learning how to maintain this state of equanimity. So I do hope this was helpful. If you would like to schedule a reading, you can go to innerknowing.yoga. My Instagram is astrologynow underscore podcast. My Patreon is patreon.com slash astrologynowpodcast. And I will talk to you all very soon. Again, my name is Christine Rodriguez. This is the Astrology Now podcast, and I will talk to you all.